Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Divine Your Life podcast. My mission in this podcast, in this life, in my job is to help align the mind and body with deep healing so you can access your truth and your power and divine your life. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, please share, like, comment, review all the things. I appreciate you so much. And let's dive right in. Hey everybody, welcome to the Divine Your Life podcast. Thank you so much for tapping in. Today we have Samson on the show. Samson man is a force and his energy and story are powerful in vulnerability and wisdom and enlightenment and how we can use or bring up our childhood as a crutch or as a means of liberation. His connection to breathwork and healing is kind of unlike any other male figures I've heard in this space, and his willingness to express himself authentically and release emotionality is just epic and impactful. There are so many tangible takeaways and and emotional pulls in this episode that just take you through his story, and it feels so raw and real and good to listen to him speak and to just see his journey and how far he's come. So I'm so excited for you to lean in. If this is an episode that you love at the end, please share, like, comment, let us know what your favorite parts were, what your takeaways were. The more we share this podcast, the more we get to divinely fall on the ears of those who need it. And we love to grow and expand together as a community. This episode is sponsored by Soul Strong, which is actually my new group cohort. It's coming up in February. It is for women. It is for any woman who is ready to step into a powerful container of other women. It is met by the duality of the mind, the body, and the soul. So it's all three. I bring on my best friend who is an expert in the nutrition space to share her enlightenment on health, wellness, fitness, while I bring in the somatic mind, body work. It's powerful. The outline gives me chills and makes me smile because I know that this cohort is made for strong women, right? This is how we quantum leap. We surround ourselves with the most aligned and powerful people available to us so that we can inspire and support and rise each other to the next level because something interesting happens when we're in close proximity to power, right? We experience an energetic transmission and it becomes easier for us to embody our higher selves and to con- to consume the energy of one another and calibrate higher together. So this energetic container is for you if you're ready to connect with other heart-led women and step into a community of empowerment, relation, and authenticity. If you're just ready to up-level your life and learn to become more present and intentional, rise up to your highest potential and step into your purpose. And then you want to be in a supportive community of high vibe, high aligned movers and world changers. So if you're ready to accelerate that, shoot me a note in my DM on Instagram at Britley Ann, B-R-I-T-L-E-Y-A-N-N. And without further ado, welcome, Samson. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have a male presence on the podcast other than my boyfriend. I think (laughs) the listeners like hearing him, but I'm so excited to hear your perspective Mm -hmm. today and just your energy is super grounding. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the reason I found you is a real you created of breathing with your daughter that I thought was absolutely adorable you're like yeah that's the one that everyone <laughs> knows me by um uh, it was beautiful and and you're such an amazing father such an amazing role model for a lot of men a lot of women a lot of people in this space that are looking to heal and, and kind of come home to themselves so thank you for being that yeah thank you so much you're welcome tell us about the work you do and how it found you oh this is such a good question and it's such a big question so as far as the work that I do, and, and I love how you phrase it, it found me. It found me because I was, I was in search for myself mm. and why that, the impetus of why that started was um, growing up, being in an environment in my adolescence and youth that was mentally, physically, and emotionally hostile, if you will, created beliefs about myself that led me towards this work, you know? And personally, I feel 
everybody has their own individual beliefs and you know we can all look at the same situation and subjectively take what our perspective of the situation is so for me you know what i decided to take from my upbringing and not saying that it was all bad this is just my reality was that you know i wasn't enough you know and uh you know i wasn't worthy i felt like a burden i would wake up literally feeling like i hold the world of debt <clears throat> no no practical you know way of loving myself emotionally physically mentally and which led to the spiritual disconnection that I so desperately wanted. Like I, I wanted to connect so bad to this thing we all call, well, I call God. So it was a lot of those beliefs and the identity I held about myself that led me towards searching. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm gonna like condense a lot of my story, um, but being born in London, moving to California shortly after parents splitting up. And then because of that situation, being taken to Nigeria to spend, you know, some years with my grandmother and some of my family out there. And then moving back to the States was, there was a lot of transition. This all happened, you know, before the age of seven. So that time I feel was, you know, where my psychology was very malleable, where my my perspective of the world and my relationship to it was shaped. So, you know, growing up, like I said, in the, the, that environment or the side effect of that environment is what led me to begin like looking at myself in a different way. Um, I went to high school, graduated high school, and I didn't go to college for, for reasons that I can share. Um, and it may or may not serve your audience. So, but I didn't go to college for reasons. And obviously it served me looking back, but I didn't go to college and I immediately had to go work. And while I'm sharing this is because I started working as an ER tech in the hospital. This was my very, I would say not first perspective, but it was a very grounded perspective in being in that world, yeah. um, seeing the reality of what it was like for people fighting for their life. Uh, people trying to recover from physical neglect people uh, it was just a different world that was also where I got introduced to you know I would say a close fr front row seats to death and I remember that's what started to have me question certain things um and right before I graduated high school actually this is relevant my mom was deported so my mom was literally a big energy for me. She was the rock of the house. 11th grade is actually when she got deported. So this is, and I've shared this before, this was like a gift and a curse. It's like a double-edged sword. Because one, this was the, you know, the woman of the house. Um, it was three of my siblings along with my stepfather. And it felt like, it felt like it was a gaping hole in our family. The heart got torn out, huh? Torn out, torn out. Yeah. But my mom was also held the biggest cord that was related to a lot of my triggers. Mm. So, you know, the, the curse was that she got pulled away from us. The gift was while she was with us, a lot of things had to go her way, right? I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm 17. At this point, I'm like all the way up to 17. I really didn't have no say or freedom to think how I wanted to think or question the things that were naturally occurring in my mind and my psyche. So when she wasn't there, it was like a slip. It was like a crack. It was like a, a, a crack in the door to, for me to start to question certain things, question certain things about, you know, certain religions. Like I grew up in the church. So I questioned that. I questioned, you know, kind of why the way, why the world was the way it was. Um, and after she left, obviously I didn't go to college. I had to grow up really fast to take care of my family. And this is when I got the job at the hospital. But because she wasn't there, this is what opened the door. So I remember starting to seek, right? And for me, I feel like it begins with a, a, a thought or a feeling or an intention to want to learn more, to want to welcome more. For me, I opened myself up to that. 
And I remember getting introduced to one of my first books that I read, uh, The Kabbalion by the Three Initiates. And this essentially was what started to plant the seeds about things that was not really normal in my environment. It was talking about the universal laws. Um, and for me, it was like, okay, this is very interesting. And that book led to another book and led to another book and led to another book. And I realized, okay, cool. Like I want to start working on myself, right? While I was um, working at the, at the ER, I was bartending and DJing on the weekends and I was a part-time model simply because I had to make ends meet in some way, shape or form. But being a part of that environment got old really fast. Things got really mundane. I remember feeling like I would always take work home. Like when, 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 you know, I, part of my job was to, you know, support and resuscitating people. Right. And when somebody wouldn't make it, I would really, I would literally get down on myself and wishing I could have done more to save their life. So that would always go home with me and things just got really mundane. I felt like I was getting numb. I felt like things were getting old and I realized, well, if I keep going in this direction, right. I don't, I don't know if this is the type of life I want to live. So simultaneously, because I was an athlete in high school, I was also working on my physical health. So I was improving my mind, working on my physical health. Because I was in the hospital, I went pretty much extreme with my health, right? Like went borderline extreme. I remember being a vegan for like two and a half years, then raw veganism for six months. I would study herbs. I went extreme. And this opened up the door for me to, you know, relate to myself in a different way. And as I was personally developing, I got introduced to a community that, you know, uh, the intention was to support people and physically getting in shape, mentally getting in shape. So I was doing that. That's, this now became my reality. Right. It was growing. I was yeah. personally developing, right? My mindset was shifting. My perspective on the world was shifting. Like things were getting better. Um, I remember leaving some of the environments I was in as a natural byproduct of just shifting my energy and growing. And then I got to a place where after reading the books, attending the seminars, right, um, realizing, okay, there's some deeper work to be done around like my parents, around some, you know, unresolved things in my past. A lot of these things were peak experiences, peak experiences that almost sent me back to where I started from. And I realized, okay, like, why do I feel like, okay, I'm making progress and then ending back, ending back where I started, making progress and then ending back where I started, almost like this pendulum swing. And um, I remember feeling like, okay, I was Percy developing, but I wasn't healing. So good. Right? I was, yeah. I was growing my mindset. You know, things were operating above the shoulders, right? I was shifting my thoughts, right? Right, And uh, you were 50% of the way there. <laughs> and, you know, like I realized there was something deeper. Now, for me, I was in a place because I wasn't that confident in myself. I never really knew how to give myself permission or standing my, or be grounded in who I was, that I took in a lot of the, quote unquote, the world's identity. I looked for myself outside of myself. Part of that was because I didn't have a masculine figure, my father who was around, right? So I didn't really have that energetic to reflect back to me who I was and show me how to utilize my power and, you know, support me in, in a sense, like really transitioning from the boy into the man. So a lot of my journey was searching for myself outside of myself, searching for things outside of myself to validate me. And what that looked like was realizing that a lot of these practices I was doing, even though they worked temporar temporarily for me, there was still something missing. There was still something missing. Right. And I remember about eight years, eight to nine years ago, I got invited to a breathwork session by a really, really dear friend. She's like a spiritual mentor to me. Um, yeah, she, she stepped in and supported me with, you know, my mother not being there. So she held you know, that, that space for me. And she still does in a way. And her brother-in-law was leading a breathwork session in Santa Monica. And we lived in LA at the time. And because I'm open, because I'm a seeker, because I'm an investigator, because I'm a researcher, because I'm curious, I was like, let's do it. 
So I went very curious and open. And I remember going to this yoga studio. It was blaring loud outside. Cars were blowing their horns. I think it was like in a second floor building, like in the middle of an intersection. of Kind of like the leaf blowing that's going on right now as we're trying. (laughs) So for me, I'm like, what are we doing that's going to be quote unquote Zen related here? Like it didn't make sense, but I trusted. And something in me knew that that's where I had to be. So an hour later, I remember everybody else was already out of their experience. And I literally come up gasping for air. And what I said out of my mouth was, what the fuck was that? (laughs) (laughs) Why does this sound the same as my first breath work? I literally woke up with tears streaming. I'm like, what the fuck happened to me? (laughs) Right. And I remember looking at my friend and she's cracking up because she knows. And I knew she knew and yeah. she realized that I just found out. For me, I had not released, I had not expressed, I had not had the opportunity to free myself in the way I did that night. Um, and I'm also a firm believer that all the other pers- puzzle pieces that I had collected from other experiences led me to feeling open enough and safe enough to have the experience I had that night. But that night introduced me to realizing that the relationship I had developed with my emotions wasn't as strong as I thought. Mm. And this is what started to, I would say, open the door a bit more. Open the door to my heart that I didn't even know was not closed, but wasn't fully open. Wasn't fully open because I was unconsciously afraid right? Not fully open because I was afraid to be hurt again. Not fully open because I was afraid to be seen. Not fully open because I was afraid to be acknowledged, right? Um, Because I held this conversation. I held this belief about myself that I wasn't enough. I fought for that so long, right? I fought for the belief that I wasn't worthy. I fought for the belief that I wasn't confident, that I didn't mean anything for so long that the anything on the opposite of that felt initially like a threat, but this was like a a small light at the end of the tunnel, gave me a new path to follow. So after that, that night, you know, and I don't want to, this is not like a Cinderella story. Oh, everything happened so great after that. It's kind of like the, like the expansion, a big contraction happened again. Oh yeah. And the contraction was like, for me, it was like, okay, cool. Like that was, that was great. Now, let me go back to what I was doing. Right. Again, right. kind of bringing you back to like that. Oh, wait, I'm better. And then I'm back to where I started. That will forever be. I just posted the other day. Yes. Every expansion is an equal and opposite contraction every time without fail. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I will say this, though. I expanded, but I wouldn't, I didn't contract back to where I was. Right. I was a few steps ahead. Yeah. So this made me more curious about other things outside of what I already know. Right. right. I still was reading, I still was attending the seminar, but I went in more open. I went in with a few layers, right? Uh, 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 Released from the walls I had built. So now the experiences in some of the seminars I'd attend were a lot more powerful and a lot deeper because I, I now was evolving my emotions. I now was welcoming my tears that I had stifled and I had blocked for so many years of hearing especially when I was hurt, don't cry. Or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. So now that along with, you know, looking at my world and looking at men and not seeing men reflect back to me that it was okay to express emotion, mm-hmm. right? Had me hold this in. So, you know, fast forward a few years, I started incorporating the breath a bit more into my practice. And I realized, okay, my life, you know, my days were a lot better when I would be present to my breath as opposed to not. Mm-hmm. But then just like a lot of things in my past, I'd start things and then I'd break the consistency. I'd start things and then I'd break the consistency. And, you know, deepening my, you know, awareness of where, where that stemmed from was I just was afraid of, quote unquote, the other side of like good, like truly anything good happening because I mm-hmm. felt like I didn't deserve it. So catching that, right, 
I lean more into a, you know, a different approach. And I feel like as much as I'm taking, you know, steps in my life to progress through a certain direction, I feel that God is also leading me. I feel God is also guiding me towards walking certain paths that one, I didn't know I needed, but two, like were the very next step I needed to take. And was it 2015, one of the years, we used to attend Agape, if you're familiar with Michael Bernard Beckwith. I'm not. I know what Agape love means as far as, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm not yeah. sure. I love that name though. It's cool. So my, Michael Bernard Beckwith is, you know, the spiritual leader. He was in The Secret. He's, he's Okay. Love The Secret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he runs a spiritual community and center um, in Los Angeles. And we used to attend every Sunday. It's non-denominational. So it was, it was fully, it was great to, you know, go there, receive the word, get spiritually you know, recharged. And they were doing a um, silent meditation retreat for New Year. And I remember, you know, my wife and I looking at each other, we're like, okay, let's do this. You know, I've meditated, I've, I've done the deal. And, you know, I, I typically understand meditation up until that point, but I've never really sat, even though I love my alone time, never really sat for seven days in complete silence. So we went. I don't know anyone who has other than going <laughs> to this, right? <laughs> Right, right. And I would say it was like 90% silence. Okay. Wow. So, oh yeah. It's, if you haven't, it's a very powerful experience. Very powerful experience. It's so crazy. Just not to, to stop you. Cause I want to, I love where this is going, but like, isn't that crazy that immediately my limiting belief is like, there's no way you could do that. Right. When you said that my limiting belief went straight to like, Hey, you talk a lot. I don't know what that would look like for you. Just, yeah. just like noticing. Right. But how beautiful it's, is it that you begin to notice? And I'm like, Oh, wow. Notice that thought pattern that came up from all these living limiting beliefs. And how do I get to actually change that and challenge that? Yeah. So just to like show in live time, like yes. a real life belief that yes. comes up and the patterning of like noticing, Oh, wow. You really believe that about yourself. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Thank you for expressing that by the way, because it's, yeah. it's real. And yeah. you said, I'm going to, just a side yeah. note in relation to that. I think what's powerful about what you just expressed, I think what, since I was 17, I got the tab on my shoulder, like I'm 30, like, so for 17 years since I've gotten the call, I still haven't arrived. Mm. Oh, I got chills. <laughs> and and yeah. for your, I mean, for your listeners, I think it's important to, and the thing is you can only realize that through personal experience, it's important to at least have it, that I plant the seed that there's no arrival point mm. because the work is continuous. And if we're reflecting back to the universal laws, nothing ever stays still, nothing ever stays still. So back to the point of you know expansion and contraction, there's always this movement that needs to be had. And if we don't do it by choice, we're gonna do it by force based on life having to progressively move forward and us being part of life. So I haven't arrived. And my ego many times throughout my journey is wanted to convince me that I've arrived and I get freaking blindsided by life to realize, oh, like we're not done yet. But the beautiful thing about it is the more I remind myself, the more I can literally ease and relax into knowing that, okay, cool. I'm just going to allow myself to surrender along with taking the necessary aligned action for me and, you know, co-create and coexist with life without getting blindsided because that's not fun. Right. So <laughs> we go on this silent meditation retreat and in closing ceremony, you know, uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith, very close friend, who's a shaman from Peru, you know, comes to close the ceremony. And I remember looking at this man holding this grandfather energy. Um, I, I only got to spend physical time with my grandmother, my mom's mom, both of my well, my grandfather, my mother's side passed before I was born. My grandmother, my father's side passed before I was born. And maybe a few days with my dad's father. Jeez. So I never really had the, right. the, the, the elder, the grandparent yeah. energy, but I knew they were always with me. Right. So him coming in and holding that grandfather energy, I immediately was like, was drawn to him. And not just that, I was drawn to his his traditions, his culture, his practice, and not from a theatrics or aesthetic point of view, like he held this very powerfully. And I remember him closing the ceremony, he would pray and he would sing and he'd go around the room. He went around the room, uh, you know, cleansing 
and, and almost sealing the, the energetic for everybody. And I remember him getting to me. He would play the bass drum on everybody. And he got to me and he started playing the bass drum and he prayed. Mm. And I don't know what it was, but something cellularly woke up. And it felt familiar as it did very unfamiliar. But the, the, the familiar part that knew or remembered what that was was more drawn to being, again, curious. Like, wait, I need more of this. I need to know more of what this was. Like, I'm going to make sure that I follow this direction. So we closed the ceremony. And I remember talking to him after the, the retreat. And I was like, how long are you in town? I would love to sit and work with you, whatever that looks like. So he was in town for about two more weeks. I booked a, a, a session with him. And this was just more of him, like just really, really sitting with where I was at. And we were talking <laughs> and he started to reflect back to me and share things with me that only God would know. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, yeah, this man is tapped in. Mm -hmm. and then he was like when's the last time you saw your mother and I lost it mm. I lost it because he knew that yeah. I had if not needed the motherly feminine energy there was a disconnect there with me mm -hmm. so he saw that he saw that in my field he saw that and I was like okay so he left. I was in communication with him as he was kind of like mentoring me through everything I was feeling. And then he'd come back again. And this time he was coming back. He was leading now a Wachuma ceremony, San Pedro, which is plant medicine, right? Yeah. It's masculine. It's the grandfather medicine. It's it's a sacred cactus. Mm. Um, so again, I follow how I feel. Yeah. I used to follow what I was what I would think because there's so much in my head. But I now, I wasn't clear about it, but something in me was like, okay, you need to go do that. Yeah. Up until that point, I'd already been doing my research, curious about, you know, the, the likeness of, you know, ayahuasca mm -hmm. and many different, you know, sacred tra traditions. Um, I think at one point in my ignorance and innocence, I tried to like order it, right? I was so, <laughs> I was so like, yeah. I'm just going to take myself on a quick journey tonight. Yeah, <laughs> right? That's something you don't want to do for those who are listening. He never came back. <laughs> yeah right wow. um but yeah i knew that there was something there yeah. um so i attended this seminar and uh, that seminar i attended this um plant plant medicine ceremony and i remember going in very open-hearted and so we're there for those who've taken san pedro or Wachuma, it is a long day it's a full day it's literally from 11 in the morning i think i didn't leave you know that first night until like 2 a.m Mm -hmm. but it's a full day and I remember drinking the medicine I drank my first cup I was being with it okay and then I drink the second cup and then immediately like all the energy mm -hmm. drawn to my to my gut and then I felt resistance so I go up to him and I'm like hey hey hermano I'm feeling a lot of resistance and he's like okay let's be with it for a little bit mm -hmm. so I was with it for a bit more and then I go back to him again. And I was like, okay, this really isn't passing. So he's like, come with me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to this small patch of grass. It's in the back of where we were at. And he told me to kneel down. And I'm like, mm. okay. <laughs> so I kneel down. I'm open again. I'm very comfortable. I kneel down. And then he says, lay down. I said, like, okay. And he says, roll around he says begin to roll back and forth and at that point I'm, my mind's like the fuck do you mean mm -hmm. yeah like, you go first <laughs> right he's like roll around yeah so I started to roll as I was rolling I felt like because I was rolling and I was physically moving the way I was I was also moving the medicine but something about that activated it mm. and I remember starting to roll and he said give it all back to her and that's when I started to lose it. And he was referring to Mother Earth. He's like, she's here. She's always been here to receive it. You don't need to hold on to it anymore. So as I was rolling, I am bawling my eyes out. And it got to a point where I literally was on my belly, face was on the ground, and I began weeping. Mm. I was weeping. 
it wasn't just tears, but it was pain. It was sorrow. It was definitely mine, but I felt like it was also that those of my ancestors, like there was just, it was just so much energy coming through me. And I remember there was a point where there were people, there was a fire and there were, I would hear voices around me and I would hear people talking. <clears throat> and then my mind immediately, my ego immediately was worried about what they were thinking of me. Like I'm over here weeping and sobbing like a fucking baby and I can't control it. And the more I try to control it, the more I cry. Mm -hmm. In that moment, I realized, oh, my ego couldn't do shit about it because I physically was unable to hold it back anymore. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, there was a deeper connection and relationship to my tears and my emotions that I had never experienced in my life. I didn't know I was holding on to so much anger and so much resentment and so much pain and so much sorrow and so much anguish and so much guilt and so much shame. In that moment, it was all passing through me. And I'm happy I couldn't physically do anything about it because at that point, I realized that was the time for me to begin to let it go. Yeah, to soften into it when all you've done your whole life is is hold strong, right? It's like the hardest thing to do is to soften into yes. that experience. And wow. so think about what you just said was not just hold strong, but I had to hold strong for my family. I had to hold strong for those around me. And nobody knew what I was experiencing in silence. I, in a sense, didn't even know. Right? Yeah. Looking back, I realized that a lot of the things I was doing, right, were in a sense building some sort of armor because I relied on my ability to be strong. I relied on people counting on me, mm -hmm. but I couldn't really follow through to all the yeses I was committing to because I was still holding on to this energy. Like a lot of what I would commit to was from this lack perspective, mm -hmm. was from this low energetic perspective. So the, I would just keep creating this shame, shame cycle, guilt cycle, not enough cycle, right? That it was causing more distrust in myself. It was keeping the same story going. And, and, and at a certain point, I just got, honestly, I got really tired of the results I was getting in my life. So I knew something had to change and I was grateful for that night. So that night progressively began to now formulate, began to now create a new path of how I can choose to relate myself regardless of what people thought about me, regardless of how I was seen. I realized the peace that I began to, to feel when I would allow myself to cry when I need to cry, when I would allow myself to experience the anger when I need to experience the anger, right? So, this ultimately, like when you ask the question, how did I, how did this path find me? It was because of all the work I needed to ultimately do on myself and with myself. And, and I, I share this many times, and this is my philosophy. You know, the only way I've been able to really support people is because I went to those places in myself. I've traveled and traversed and explored some of the deepest and darkest parts of myself that looking back, I'm so proud of. Looking back, I'm not afraid of anymore. But that is what supported me in creating this capacity to be able to hold in a very grounded way to see people because I've been willing to see all the parts of myself that I rejected right. and I didn't accept and I pushed away, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, that led me to the next experience and the next experience, but it got deeper and deeper and deeper. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, Samson, there's so much. That's, <laughs> first of all, thank you. Thank you for sharing that because, man, I was intrigued in that entire story. And what is so intriguing, and I had so many thoughts, but the most prominent one is how different our stories are, but how the same we are, Very right? Nice. 
Like it was like, even starting out in your story, I was waiting, waiting, waiting for you to say, I felt like a burden because that's been my story, right? My mom had me at a young age. They loved and poured into me, but no matter what, I went from grandmas to uncles to dads to home, right? And so there was never, I always felt in the way. I always felt like a burden. I mean, yeah. I've I've been notorious for over-apologizing and asking someone oh. to do it, but 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 ending it with, sorry, sorry, sorry. And, and the biggest thing I took away is we're all the same, but what makes what created a different story for you was the curiosity. How beautiful and epic is it when we get to question everything and that the universe created this space by taking your, taking your mom away from you, which is the most hurtful thing, but it does it to us all in some way, right? The universe gives all of us the opportunity to start to get curious about the things that we've been conditioned to believe the thing, the, who we are. I mean, who I was two years ago, if I were to strip that poor girl down, I was like, you were wearing 18 masks and you were living in a way that, that was quote unquote successful. Mm. The people that are looking at you, right. I remember uh, picking up my life. I picked up my life about a year ago and moved to a city I'd, I'd been to once and knew nobody. And I remember um, ending it with my last partner and leaving my house and my dog and everything. And, it, and people were saying, what? Mm -hmm. I've been praying for mm -hmm. your relationship. I like, you have it all. I look up to you. What are you doing? Right. And me just feeling like I had done such a disservice. I was like, I will never do that again. Mm -hmm. I will never paint my life in a light that is so misleading that people are looking up to it without being vulnerable. And you, you said at one point, I don't know if this pertains to your audience. It all does. Any point of anyone being vulnerable in any story is the only way that we can connect to one, one another. Right. It's the absolute only way. And your story is so epic. And you could have worked as an ER, what was it, an ER, ER worked tech. in the ER, right? And seen that and, and allowed it to even harden you more and disassociate from death and be even tougher. Yeah. But there was this window of opportunity that it actually did the opposite and allowed you to feel the feelings that you were so numb to. And that's the, that's the other thing you mentioned. We don't even know. We don't yeah. even know how numb we are until we know how numb we are, right? So good. Oof. Something that you mentioned, and I, I just want to bring back into light, was that uh, one of my biggest, yeah, one of the biggest things that has supported me in my entire journey and is still supporting me is this loving curiosity. And uh, I'll say loving and playful curiosity that I feel we all have. We all have, we're all born with. Mm -hmm. I look at my four-year-old daughter she still has it yeah. and we are all born with it it's our birthright to be curious because I think it's it's what helps us take this step in order for us to enter under and understand who we are in relationships mm -hmm. to the world and what we're here to do yeah but at some point we gave we give that curiosity away yeah we trade in the curiosity for a story that keeps us trapped it keeps us caged and for a number of reasons obviously we all have stories but there is a belief that is responsible for the lock on the on the cage and thank goodness that my curiosity and my adventurous spirit was always willing to learn something new was always open to something else and for a lot of people right it wasn't actually until the last three years where I gave myself permission to be able to explore as many things as I did because I thought something was wrong. I literally thought that that you know I I uh, I I I didn't have the ability to focus on like one thing or the ability to to stand strong in one lane and all this crap that's out there, right? And I realized that. One size doesn't fit all. Right. Everybody has different ways of expressing who they are. And for me, that was what always worked. Back to your story of like ending it with your previous partner, packing up your stuff and moving to a different city. In the last 10 years, I've moved nine times. Mm -hmm. Are you a manifesting generator? I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we could talk human design. <laughs> So in the last 10 years, I've moved nine times. I've, I've been curious about multiple different things at once. Yeah. And I think I was crazy, but this is just my way. And my way is supporting me in, you know, getting to whatever is next for me, right? To 
expand more of who I am. I had a dear friend say, say something last week that was profound and I wanted to share it here. He said that every day we're alive, we have the opportunity to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what is it about myself that I have not loved and accepted that I get to love and accept? That I get to love and accept. Get to love and accept. Because if we don't, what we're indirectly and unconsciously saying is, I'm open to inviting experiences to teach me what that is. Yeah. And oftentimes, they're experiences that we don't want or like. Yeah. So I realized a pattern that I've been able to powerfully integrate is my ability to keep searching, to keep seeking, not from dissatisfaction, but just from the natural flow of deeper. Mm, I'm so glad you said that. Not from dissatisfaction, not from a space of lack and scarcity and needing to figure it out in yes. the mental pillar, but the opportunity to grow yes. deeper, to know myself, to stop yes. meeting myself and my opportunities with resistance. Yes. Yep. Yes. So good. And there, what's powerful about that is, like, like we mentioned before, there's nothing that ever stays still. So if I personally know that nature is a reflection of me and vice versa, and the more I meet myself, the more I deepen my relationship with myself, and if it's said that we're, we're created in the likeness and image of God, well, the more I know myself, the more I know my creator, the better everything is. Mm. So, you know, not saying it's been easy, but I love being able to meet myself at my, at my, at my depths and at my heights. I love being able to meet myself when it's very uncomfortable. Mm. I, don't, I may not love it in the moment, but looking back, I realized how necessary it was. I love being able to see parts that I rejected or kind of tucked under the rug because of a certain story I was running, right? For me, what I realized is my path has been leading me to remind me of my wholeness, accepting both sides of me, yeah. right? And we're currently living in the world where I feel like that's like, even though it looks crazy to some people, I think we're, we're at the precipice of, for lack of a better word, people waking up to that. Yeah. People realizing that, wait a minute, right? Have I been living this life or this lie to please other people? Mm. The benefit, right? The, the comfort of what other people feel about me as opposed to actually truly connecting with and living from and choosing what I feel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like literally, yeah. you know this, getting back into the body, getting back into the physical, which has been a necessary it's been a necessary remedy. It's the only way. Yeah. It's been a necessary remedy. Well, that's why we're human. That's why we have physical bodies for a reason. But up until now, and this is not a, you know, a general statement, but majority of what I feel my experience has been, and also just through observation is we've been living too much in the head through thinking right? Uh, a lot of our identity has been predicated on how much we know, how much intellect we have, how much knowledge we can acquire. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's too much thinking and not enough deep feeling. And I think that's what's coming back again. For me, it's like feeling has been one of my biggest medicines. Yeah. Right? It's been, a, it's yeah. been an answer to a lot of the questions that I've had. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, before you got into this work, before I got into this work, I lived, like you said, from here up. Mm -hmm. And now it's the coolest thing in the entire world. I can, I can attune to when I'm living up there. And then I'm like, oh, I'm doing that thing again that I did for 25 years. I'm actually going to come back into the body. You begin to learn how to actually toggle between yes. the, the head space, the have to, that 95% subconscious. We're living into the 5% conscious space where we get to drop into the body. And, and I just want to emphasize and summarize again that the reason that you are here in this space, able to impact the people that you are, able to show the amount of love, compassion, and grace for everyone around you, for your family and your friends is because a you took yourself there yes. 
You went there all the way. You wouldn't be able to, you would be a phony if you tried to lead someone where you didn't, right? You wouldn't even be able to do it. And then also understanding that what you're creating is not, is not yours alone. You're co-creating with God. There's no other way to, to be able to be as embodied as you are and, and exert the amount of presence that you have if you didn't accept those two things and there's other things too, but like just to highlight and to honor that you went there and you woke up to the fact that you don't have to do it alone. That's such a relief. Thinking that I have to do this alone. Right. I tell, I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, I start, I always start the coaching call by saying, you know, your path is paved for you right now. You're like in the concrete on your hands and knees. You just have to walk it. You're making it really hard on yourself. And I'll bring that up. I'm like, Hey, are you walking or are you trying to, redirect the path right like it's such a beautiful metaphor it's like why do we yeah we do that a lot and it's our only responsibility to walk it with full faith and open hearts like like you're doing and so awesome thank you so much really i I appreciate that yeah yeah and i'm so happy also to see the impact that you have in your daughter's life with this wisdom i think if anything else right no matter who you influence or how big of an impact you have, quote unquote, whatever that means to you, the impact that you have in your daughter's life, allowing her to feel her emotions, allowing her to be fully seen, met, heard, understood, held, show her authentic expression without judgment. You're changing the world just in that space. I know you know that, but but for everybody listening, you doing the work isn't a selfish act. It doesn't just directly affect you. It affects every single person who gets to be in your energy so true i mean my, my daughter has been one of my greatest teachers yeah um this is this is my personal experience i, I feel like when we had our daughter it was an opportunity for me to repair myself mm-hmm. my, my little boy um, because through seeing her needs right i realized the needs that i didn't have met and she created the space and the opportunity for me to like really, really step into like loving that little boy mm-hmm. in a way I haven't loved him before. Uh, there was a there was a time where my wife had to leave for like three to four days, and and I this happens quite often, like you know when I get to like have a long time with her. But this this time specifically, I remember we were home. And which is very unusual for me. I felt, I was feeling very irritated. Mm. She'd speak, I'd get irritated. She'd yell, I get irritated. She'd question, I get, she'd be playful, I get irritated. And I'm like, okay, this is very unusual. This is, mm-hmm. I'm like, like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Right? yeah. This is especially like, you know, for me, and also like truly like allowing my humanity. I also like know the level of intention I bring into the space because of the impact it can have. So mm-hmm. this was very, very unusual for me. So I remember we were going to the store and this is like a, a tradition. We, we always go to the store together and we have this you know process that we do, but she was in the cart and she's like looking at me, right? She looks at me and then she places her hand on my chest and I immediately like get defensive. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, yeah, Sam, yeah. you gotta look into this. So we got back home, right? I think I put her down for a nap and I really sat with what was going on. And I realized in the moment that it wasn't me, it wasn't my adult self, it was my little boy. It was my little boy that in a sense was like jealous and envious of her. And it's because she had her father who was me, me, the adult self present, but also she had the opportunity to ask whatever she wanted, play however she wanted, do whatever she wanted. The freedoms that I didn't really feel I had or didn't really have the space to express. She was able to express herself freely. Mm. So in that moment, I, I realized the wounding of the little boy that was still existing or the residue of some of the the feelings I still unresolved feelings that I still had from my childhood and in that moment I realized man I get to love him 
-hmm. I get to now give him permission to express himself however he chose to express himself. But I was happy that she was able to be my teacher in that moment yeah. to help me see that, right? Yeah. And thank goodness I was able to catch it. And thank goodness I was also was present enough to, you know, respond in an empowering way that wouldn't have affected her. Right. Right. But I say that because our children, for parents who are listening, if you can take the time, even if it's five, 10, 15 minutes, to just quietly and lovingly observe your child without judgment, without, you know, our way or our lens, you can just watch them. In my opinion, they're the closest thing to God. They're the closest thing because they're still holding that, that pure, that pure consciousness before it's tainted by the world or before it's tainted by the beliefs and the perspectives of the world. And she has taught me so much about what it is to be human. Mm. Her ability to feel safe expressing her emotions, going from tantrum right back to joy <laughs> and elation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. her, allowing herself to ask for what she wants, the, cu the curiosity, being completely a stand for her yeses and her noes. Yeah. A lot of these things reminded me of the opportunity I didn't get, obviously, because my caregivers didn't know. They didn't have their resources. It wasn't taught to them, but it was, it's like a, it's like a seminar. I don't treat it like a seminar because she's my daughter and I don't want it to be like this thing all the time. But it's like, when I take a moment to really sit and just watch her, it's a beautiful thing. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. There's so much closure I've had with me and my little boy because of the permission my daughter has given herself. Mm -hmm. Obviously the space that I've been able to create and see that, but right. man, I love children for that, for that, for that very thing, for that very thing. Mm, my gosh, that was such a powerful image you created. And I just, I'm thinking too, like, man, what if, what if she placed her hand on your chest and then you didn't stop to think, man, why am I resisting this? And then you didn't go home and put her a nap and sit with yourself and think, oh, this has nothing to do with her and everything to do with the younger parts of me stuck in time that didn't receive any of this, that are feeling a little bit of distortion from, from not receiving and having needs met. What if that never happened, Samson, right? Like how many of us go through life, feel the restriction and then throw it under the rug with everything else and build up a mountain and just keep trekking on, you know, like, without that awareness, you would have created this subconscious resistance to your little girl, the, the most beautiful thing in your world. Mm. And that's, that's a metaphor for everything, whether you're a parent or not, when you, when you're, you know, being intimate with your partner, when you're communicating with a friend, when you find yourself stiff arming people that are wanting to be close to you, Truth. what if you allow that? What yeah. if we just let that roll off? Yeah. What does your life, you know, get to look like if you sit with that? I think oftentimes adding presence to anything brings the energy up a hundred million calibers, right? Like adding presence in any situation, any experience that alone can be trans transformational. Presence is the greatest mediator. Yeah. Yeah. Presence is the greatest mediator. It's presence has completely changed my life. And <clears throat> yeah, my my dad not being there in the way that I wanted. Mm. I'm shifting my language. I love that. Because yeah. it's it's very and why it's important that I'm shifting my language and for those obviously who are listening who still have you know charges around their parents is that it's very unrealistic. Yeah. It's very unrealistic to be loved exactly the way we want to be loved as children. It's unrealistic because of the simple fact that we're humans mm -hmm. and because our parents did the best they could with what they knew and what they had. Yep. Right. So I knew my father wasn't perfect. And last year I had a clearing conversation with him where after being married and having my own daughter, I got to really, really see life through his perspective and standing in his shoes. And I realized if I was his age, 22, 23, 20, 24 years young, and I had a child at a very young age, at the time that he had him and the dynamic 
between him and my mom was going on, who's to say I would not have done the same exact thing? Right. Without the awareness you have now, right? Without the awareness. So I say that, you know, my father not being there in the way that I wanted him, right? His absence created space for me to be present. And for anyone who's listening, who's like, no, but it's not mine to own. Oh, but it's so freeing if it is. Because my dad, you know, he was an alcoholic and an addict. And it wasn't until 25 years old that I started to visualize his younger parts that I held compassion. My heart switched from so much anger, resistance, and angst for that man when I thought, oh my gosh, there are so many younger parts that are so hurt. And the only thing that they've known how how to do is to numb and to distract and to be able to disassociate from that pain. And as you were speaking about the emotions, there's a spectrum, right? Like that deep sorrow you felt rolling in the grass allows you to feel this blissful happiness that you'd never be able to tap into. And my, you know, people like my dad and love him to death are toggling between like this much. And I'm holding up like a millimeter of the emotional spectrum when there's a 360 view of it that they're not even allowed or able to feel into. Sorry. And that gives you a lot of compassion for those people rather than, than anger. What you just said for people who may be like, you know, they may experience like some activation around what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That, oh, wait, it's not mine to own. I want to give a different perspective. Mm, please. So <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of epigenetics, correct? Mm-hmm. So, you know, epigenetic memory stated and they've proven that each of us are at least carrying 15 to 20 generations of memories in ourselves. So a lot of what we're thinking is ours may actually not be ours. We may just be continuing a pattern, a cycle, a generational, you know, perspective or energetic that was passed down to us. Now, because it's not yours and you're, I think they're right. It's not, theirs to own what I feel and what I've learned is it's ours to experience and process and let go of or else we pass it on see my father's stuff wasn't mine to own but the thing is he passed it to me and because he passed it to me I now have the baton and it's mine yep until I decide to be like no no more until you decided to be like, you know something? No, no more. And then we change direction. Mm-hmm. The thing is if we keep running away and avoiding and pushing it away, you know, probably for the fears of like guilt or shame or honestly, the, 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 the weight of what that feels like to even take that on, all we're doing, it's like a, a snowball that comes down a mountain, right? It yeah. starts small, but it starts to pick up steam and it's picking up steam. It's picking up size and weight. It's like the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. The you look at it, it gets more powerful. Then mm-hmm. you were saying that like, there's only so long we can go avoiding what we need to face. Like life offers you many opportunities. It offers you like an opportunity in a very loving and gentle way. Mm-hmm. If you turn it down, it's like, okay, cool. Well, let me just, you know, tap you a little louder. And then a little bit more loving, but okay. And then eventually it gets to a place where you can't avoid physically, mentally Mm. anymore. And then life will literally find a way to sit you on your ass where you have no choice but to look at it. Mm -hmm. So it may not be ours to own, but it is ours to experience and let go of. Right. I think I'm grateful for the man my father was and the woman my mother was, because if I got exactly who I wanted in my mother and my father, I would not have or have had the spaces or opportunities to be the man I am today. It would be impossible. Mm -hmm. Right. And the same thing for you. If you didn't have your father show up the way he showed up, we would not be having this conversation right now. But yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. You're so elegant in your words. I could listen all day. I'm like, we're already at an hour. Are you kidding me? I have so many things. Oh crap. Okay. 
good. God, that was powerful. That kind of reminds me. Have you seen The Pursuit of Happiness? Yes. My favorite scene, my favorite joke, the little boy, last scene, they're walking down and he tells this joke. He says, he says, dad, dad, there's this man and he's drowning or excuse me, this man falls off a ship and he, and he's at sea and he's alone and he's, he's trying to survive mm. and a ship sees him and he comes to save him and he goes, no, thank you. God will save me. Right. And then a couple hours later, he's getting tired. A, a second boat comes up to fisherman boat this time. And they say, Hey, come on, I'll um, come up, come aboard and I'll take you to shore. He goes, no, thank you. No, thank you. God will save me. Mm. Third and final boat comes says come on let me save you he goes no thank you no thank you god will save me the man drowns he dies he goes to heaven he says god why didn't you save me and god says i sent you three big boats you dummy it's like my favorite it's thing. so good it's so good it's like it's just so jump on the boat like like we wait for the sign your sign and we wait for the world to crash and burn because it'll whisper it'll knock and then it'll scream at you just lean into the whispers just be present enough to even to hear them because man are they magical man are they life-changing when you pick up the book that leads to the other book that leads to the shaman, to the breath work, holy, right? Like, man. Yeah. yeah. You just said it. It's like, you, we pray for a sign. <laughs> <laughs> but not that sign. <laughs> yes. A sign of your sign. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that sign. It's like, and oftentimes, right. <laughs> it's actually, the way it works is that when we pray for what we want, we often get what we need. Mm. And, and, and this has been my experience. It's like when I pray for peace, I, I didn't get peace. What I got was an opportunity in, in an unpeaceful situation to practice the relevance of peace. Oh, good. Yeah. When I prayed for strength, God didn't, you know, drop, you know, a, a letter in the mail and, you know, tell me go download strength. No. In the areas where I felt the weakest, that's when I learned how to be strong. Mm. When I prayed for wisdom god gave me experiences to be wise so a lot of times and it's because of i i don't like calling it ignorance right i love humans too much not to call it ignorance yeah. if it's ignorance it's ignorance but i like to call it innocence i just feel yeah. a lot of us are not in the know right a lot of us are not in the know but moving forward is like if you pray for a sign or if you if you want change or you want to shift your life desperately it's going to come in a package that you least expect. And oftentimes it may not be the package that feels the best right away. Mm -hmm. It's not saying it's going to, it's not going to feel great. Right. But why it may not feel the best is because it's going to come in the form of something that needs to consciously interrupt the pattern that we're currently running. That's not working. It's like swimming against the current. Swimming against the current is very tiring. But eventually, if you swim patiently, persistently, and you stay swimming, you may grow enough momentum and power to change the current. Mm. <laughs> wow. That's so good. That's and good. like at first when you realize, okay, I'm swimming against the current, it sucks. Yeah. And I think you can, you can, you can, you know, you can probably agree with this. Absolutely. It sucks. Oh it sucks when everybody around you is saying they they're praying for you in that relationship and you're like well you had no idea what was really going on in the relationship yeah and then yeah. you make a change that is completely against the expectations but you stayed swimming persistently and patiently eventually what happened the current changed and i think if we can just trust ourselves to go against the current that is oftentimes the current that's leading us to places that aren't serving us, even though I feel everything is serving us in the grand scheme, right? And build enough momentum, not just by ourselves, but build enough momentum through swimming and swimming consistently enough where people are actually seeing like, oh, maybe you need some support. Let me support you in this. See, the momentum is not just self-momentum. It's also momentum from our community. I could... I'm, I am never, you'll never hear me say this, that I got here by myself. Mm. Never. Right. Because I couldn't have done this by myself. Right. I just think it's impossible as human beings because we're wired for connection. We're wired for relationship. Yeah. And it's the only way we actually are able to gain any type of understanding for ourselves is through the direct mirror, through other people. So I could not have done this by myself. 
But my mom always used to say, she was like, heaven helps those who help themselves. And if you don't take this step, nobody's going to take a step with you. So we may need to be the ones who is swimming against the current first. Yeah. Other people to realize, oh, okay, he's finally, she's finally doing something. Let me now support. Mm. Oh, God's like, okay, this is interesting. They're finally answering the call. Let me send them somebody to support them. Yes. That's exactly how it happens. All the time, at least for me. (laughs) No, I, I mean, I think the, the best decision I've ever made was to become a coach to help women feel empowered, right? The hardest thing I've ever the decision I've ever made was to become a coach to help women because the second I decided I want to help people, I was like, all right, I'm ready. Send me clients. And God's like, Ooh, <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Right. <laughs> Ooh, it was like the hardest yeah. shedding season of my entire life. I mean, there was two months where I didn't even know who I was. I was so deep wow. down. I mean, wow. Like, it's just, I love reflecting on that. Cause man, there's no way I could have, there was no way I was equipped when I wanted to be to be of service (laughs) in the way that I wanted to be. I went through so much pain, sorrow, triumph, beauty, bliss, peace, loving, divine, and like support. You want to optimize energy richness, purely connect with people. I'm so grateful for that. It was the hardest thing of my life. It was the best thing. And there's so much ahead of me Mm. still, but but I love that. I love, and I, mean, I was laughing because I was like, I, I prayed for a puppy. I got a puppy. And then I prayed the other day. I was like, God, can you, pr- I pray for the pa- either the patience for this puppy or a really good opportunity to give him back. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's so true. The things we pray for, right? Sometimes he grants them and we're like, wait, but not like that. Right. Oh, How can yeah. we just lean in and soften in, man? Mm-hmm. Just zooming out too. this experience that we're having. We're just divine beings in this human body. If we can remember that and stop tying ourselves to the to-do list and the hustle and the work and the Mm. culture and the the business ladder and just be human a little bit more. So Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the message right there. It's like, can we allow ourselves to be what we came here to be, which is human. Yep. Right. Be the be be so connected to the vehicles that is howling our soul, so the soul can do what it's here to do. But ultimately, that only happens through being human. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. Thank you so so much. I mean, I've been following you. I love your daughter. I love your wife. I love everything that you bring to the space. I think you're amazing. I know everyone's going to want to find you. What's the best way to connect? I'll put your Instagram and all that in the show notes, yeah. but is there any yeah. other way? No, that's, that's, that's the best way right now. So Beautiful. Yeah, that works. All right, Samson. Thank you so much. I feel like you just, I was a little tired. I'm on like four hours of sleep with the puppy. And I'm like, I have so much mm. good energy to take into my day. And you trans, I mean, you transmitted that the second we hopped on, but but you've just exasperated it. And I feel euphoric kind of in this space. And I'm, I'm so grateful for you coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Thank much you. Um, but yeah, I'll drop all of the, all of the ways to connect to him in the show notes and we'll see you guys next week.